This podcast is brought to you by FanshareSports.com, a website that compiles and curates the weekly recommendations of daily fantasy industry experts for you to gauge which players will be the most popular and which players are going overlooked. Head on over to FanshareSports.com and check it out. Welcome, everybody, to the Week 5 Ride-In DFS Podcast with a twist. I will not be riding in anywhere. It is Thursday night. Everyone in the household is asleep, and I have a few minutes to do the podcast outside of the confines of my Mazda CX-5. So this podcast is coming to you from my basement. I don't have a three-year-old crawling all over me. I don't have a spouse telling me to mop the kitchen floor. We're ready to go. We're locked and loaded. We're going to talk about week five, uh, a very tight week five, to be honest with you. But first, let's take a look at week four. Uh, for the fourth week in a row, I'm on somewhat of a heater. Going to pat myself on the back here a little bit. Fourth week in a row, I've been above the cash line in double ups. It's been a pretty good ride. Uh, won a ton of my head-to-heads as well. Didn't fare too well in GPPs, and that's always going to be the case for me because I usually use GPPs as a hedge, meaning I pivot off my cash game plays in GPP for the most part. So when I do well in cash, I'm probably not going to do too great in GPP, and then when I do well in GPP, it probably means I had a bad cash week. Sometimes I do well in both, or sometimes I do poorly in both, Uh, but the fact that my player pools are uh, dissimilar, I'll probably do well on one and not the other. Uh, But last week, all the plays smashed. Andy Dalton, uh, Gio Bernard, Alvin Kamara, Tyler Boyd, Sterling Shepard, Eric Ebron, Bears defense went off. And they were all all the chalk. Uh, And I saw a lot of people on Twitter complaining about chalk plays going off. But the fact of the matter is, they're the optimal plays, right? Those players we felt are underpriced. They're going to outperform their salary, so they're easy plugins. I'm not going to not play Alvin Kamara because I think he's going to be 25% in double-ups. I'm just playing the best players. I'm playing the guys who I think are going to score the most points relative to their salary, and that's the bottom line. I don't care who's playing who, if somebody's chalk, whatever. With the exception of a free square, right? There'll be some weeks, not so much this year because DraftKings is pricing up the free squares, uh, before the week starts, but you have to, you have to absolutely have to roster players that are going to be 60, 70, 80% on because it's basically like you are at a huge disadvantage if you don't play free squares, right? If 80% of the field has a player who's 4K who blows up, you are severely, severely behind. Uh, the eight ball. If everybody in the field has a 4K player who puts up a clunker, you're no worse for the wear because everybody in the field has them. So just a a quick note, if you think someone's going to be 70-80% owned because they're severely mispriced, they just go in your lineup as a free square. On to the players for week five. Um, At quarterback, it's very, very spread out. I like a lot of quarterbacks. I'm narrowing my pool down to the two quarterbacks in the Falcons-Steeler game. Matt Ryan and obviously Big Ben. 
and then uh, Blake Bortles, who gets to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, here's my thought process on this. Big Ben's at home. He is the, the highest-priced quarterback, but I think he is the safest of the three cash game considerations here. Obviously, the Falcons are depleted in their secondary. The entire defense is banged up. They're basically trotting out a second unit at this point. So I think Ben is going to have a ton of success. And here is also why I think Ben is a very smart cash game play. It's going to be almost impossible to roster all the Steelers that you want, right? So Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, they're getting a ton of targets. They're probably going to score touchdowns. It's going to be difficult to get all those players in your lineup because of their of their price. So having some exposure to Ben gets you exposure to the entire Steelers passing attack. Same thing with Matt Ryan. Julio's pretty expensive. However, you can roster different pieces around Matt Ryan because they're a little bit cheaper than the pieces around Ben. Uh Matt Ryan is just as good a play as Big Ben. I think the fact that he's outside of the dome is a, is a tad concerning. Not, not much, uh, because the Steelers' defense is pretty porous. They're giving up the 27th most fantasy points to quarterbacks. That game is going to be a shootout, 57-point total right now. Um, either one, I think, is fine. If you can't fit Ben in, I wouldn't fault you for going Matt Ryan. The other construction approach you can take is plugging in Blake Bortles. Here's the issue with Blake Bortles. TJ Yeldon is going to be the chalk. Leonard Fournette is out. Corey Grant's snaps and usage have gone down since week one, and it looks like Yeldon is the guy. He's game flow independent. He's going to catch passes if they're down. He's going to burn the clock if they are up. And the Chiefs defense is absolutely abysmal. They're bottom five to running backs. So I think Yeldon is a lock. Do you want Blake Bortles and TJ Yeldon in your cash game lineup? If that doesn't scare you, go for it. We all know the narrative with Blake Bortles has stellar games, has two games over 25 fantasy points this year without Leonard Fournette in the lineup. So if you can stomach having Blake Bortles and TJ Yeldon in your lineup, go for it. Um, but I do think that if you do that, then you have to have exposure to the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends in the Falcons-Steelers game because it would be very foolish of you to not have a piece of those two, two offenses in your cash game lineup. At running back, my favorite play is probably going to be Melvin Gordon. Right? I know he's only playing about 75-80% of the snaps thanks to Austin Eckler. However, we've seen Gordon go over 25 points in three of four games, only playing 80% of the snaps. I think Todd Gurley is a tad too expensive this week. I think you can save 800 and get pretty much the same output from Melvin Gordon. There's no Alvin Kamara on the slate. Gordon's only 8,600 on DraftKings, and he is also game script independent, right? He's going to catch a ton of balls if they're down, and he's also going to get all the goal line carries and all the rushing work in the second half if they're in a blowout. If the game script is neutral, he's also going to fare well in a neutral game script. Um, so I think Gordon is probably our best bet at stud running back. I don't think we can ignore Saquon Barkley, um, 20 DK points in every game, another game script independent running back, but he does have a little bit tougher of a matchup. Uh, David Johnson's gaining a lot of traction, and I think I initially wrote him up 
in my four for four piece that he was going to be under owned. Uh, I wrote him up a couple days ago, so I wasn't aware that he was going to gain as much traction as he did, but he's finally getting the requisite touches required to be a cash game viable. Uh, and he should be able to continue to hit value as long as he gets the workload that he saw last week in a, in a pretty good matchup against the 49ers. So I like David Johnson. I mentioned TJ Yelton. There's no four net. Corey Grant snaps and usage has gone down in the last few weeks, meaning Yeldon looks like he is taking command of the workload. He's game flow independent. He's going to catch those passes, and the Chiefs defense is absolutely terrible. I feel like they can score on the Jags and keep this game a back-and-forth battle, so I do like TJ Yeldon. Keep an eye on Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. They are both questionable. They're both Giovanni Bernard isn't practicing. Joe Mixon is. So we might have the old switcheroo here. We've played Bernard and Cash the last three weeks, and he's crushed it for us. If Bernard can't go on Sunday and Mixon can, as long as they are guaranteeing that he has a full complement of touches on his plate for the week, I think he's a very good play against the Dolphins. And then the last running back I'm going to touch on is Aaron Jones. He led the Packers in running back touches in the second half last week against the Bills. Um, he's been the most efficient. He had 65 yards on 11 carries. Jamal Williams pretty much got stuffed on every run. Um, but this play is a little thin given that there's three running backs getting touches in the Packers' backfield. Um, but if you need a salary saver at running back, if you're going to go cheap at running back, I think Aaron Jones is probably your guy. At wide receiver, we can't ignore Adam Thielen. Uh, you guys probably know by now, after four podcasts uh, to this point in the season, I like paying up at running back for those those workhorses, and then I like getting the low A dot kind of slot guys in my lineup at wide receiver, like last week, Tyler Boyd, Sterling Shepard, Geronimo Allison, um, those guys that are going to get a ton of volume and put up 8 for 80 stat lines and hopefully a touchdown. However, this week I really can't ignore Adam Thielen. Uh, Philly was torched by Julio Jones. They were torched by Corey Davis. And Thielen has gotten a boatload of targets to this point in the year. Uh, he's averaging in the neighborhood of 13 or 14 targets. He's never gotten less than 12 in the first four games. Cousins is locking on to him. And at 7,700 on DraftKings in a full PPR, I think if you have the salary to get up to him, if you're going to play Blake Bortles in cash, you're probably going to have a little bit of extra salary left over to get up to Thielen at wide receiver. Um, like I said, we can't ignore the Steelers and Falcons wide receivers if you're going to play Blake Bortles or a cheaper quarterback uh, and you're not going to get up to Ben or Ryan. I really like all three of the high-priced receivers in that game, Brown, Schuster, Julio Jones, all cash game viable. Um, if you need salary savers, I, I feel like Ridley's uh, bound for a 4 for 40 week and at close to 6K, I don't know if we can do that. Um, but is this is this Odell Beckham syndrome? If you'd remember Odell Beckham's rookie year, he kept putting up monster game after monster game, and every week people were saying, this is the week he's not going to score a touchdown. This is the week he's not going to catch eight balls for 100 yards. And he just kept doing it. Um, so maybe Ridley keeps this pace. Maybe he smashes all the rookie records on this pace. I don't think he's going to be in my cash lineup this week, but I can't fault you. Who may be in my cash lineup this week is Muhammad Sanu. He's working out of the slot. So he's going to have a good matchup against the Steelers in the slot. Uh, and he's only 4K. He's seeing a good amount of targets. 
and I think he's kind of the forgotten man. He was, went over 100 yards last week, so I really do like Mohamed Sanu this week as getting a cheap piece of that Falcons offense. Uh, as far as other cheap receivers go, Taiwan Taylor this week, he was 7 for 70 last week. Rashard Matthews quit football. He rage quit, uh, turned the PlayStation off. He's done. So I think Taiwan Taylor is a nice play this week at 4K. He's going to, like I said, he's going to avoid Tredavious White. Tredavious White's probably going to lock down Corey Davis. And I could see Taiwan Taylor at that very cheap price of 4K, um, getting over 3X, probably around 7, 8, 9 targets this week. Tyler Boyd, I still think, is not expensive enough, especially since now Efert, uh, Tyler Eifert is out. I have no clue why I just called him Efert, by the way. I'm one of the biggest Notre Dame fans on the planet. Followed him since he's 18 years old. Have said Tyler Eifert every single time that I've said the man's name. I have no clue why I just said Efert. Uh, but Tyler Eifert is obviously out, so I think that puts a little bit of an uptick in Boyd's catches this week. I don't know if he goes for 10, 100, and a touch like last week, but at 56K, he really only needs like 6 for 70 and a touch or 7 for 80, and that, that'll do in, in cash games. I also think Sterling Shepard is too cheap with Evan Ingram still on the shelf and the fact that he'll be in the slot avoiding Janoris Jenkins. So I think you can look to Sterling Shepard again this week. Moving on to tight end quickly, I think you have two options. If you have the money, you get up to Jared Cook. He's been absolutely amazing. He's put up two 30-point weeks this year, and he's basically like he's basically the number one receiver on, on the Raiders. He leads them in target share. He crushes it in red zone target share. Uh, and despite the fact that Amari Cooper has flashed in a few games, Jared Cook is basically like their number one receiver in Oakland. Uh, I also like Vance McDonald. He's a cheap way to get exposure to the Steelers. So I think your cash games come down to either Jared Cook or Vance McDonald. Also, if, you, if you're really struggling um, cash-wise, salary-wise, I think Red Ellison is not a bad dart throw. I'm going to stay away from Austin Hooper because I think that play is just too thin. He's not getting enough targets. Logan Paulson's getting snaps and scoring touchdowns. So I think Hooper, who's being talked up a little bit in the industry, is a little bit too thin of a play. At defense, I really like the Ravens or the Titans. Whichever one fits your your build the best, um, the Ravens are probably going to get after Baker Mayfield and get some sacks, force some turnovers. Same for the Titans and Josh Rosen. My four cash game core is going to be Big Ben. I think I'm going to roster Big Ben uh, and get exposure to all of the Steelers, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, etc., by putting Big Ben in my lineup uh, because I don't know if I can roster any more Steelers based on their price. So Big Ben is my way to get exposure to the Steelers. I think Melvin Gordon's a slam dunk against the 49ers. I think TJ Yeldon, with the way he was used last week, I was kind of sour on him the first couple weeks that Leonard Fournette was out. However, I've been sold on his production last week as Corey Grant didn't get uh, nearly enough snaps for me to be wary of him eating into Yeldon's workload. So Big Ben, Melvin Gordon, TJ Yeldon, and then I think uh, Tyler Boyd, one more week at middle 5K, he can definitely pay that off, especially with Tyler Eifert 
out of the lineup and him getting a few more targets. That'll do it for the Week 5 podcast. If you want to stick around, I did add a segment on cash game strategy. I got a few questions in my DMs uh, and mentions about um, how many lineups I play and different cash game strategy. So I talk about in my personal cash game strategy, uh, if you stay on the horn in about two seconds, you'll hear that. If not, good luck in Week 5 contests. I'll see you next week. Okay, on to the strategy portion of our Week 5 podcast. Um, Had a few questions on Twitter, uh, both DM and mention. Regarding cash game strategy, how many lineups do you play? What specific cash game uh, contest do you play in? So I'm going to address that uh, instead of individually responding to a few people i figured i'd give it a segment on the week five podcast quick thoughts uh the first question was do you play more than one lineup how many lineups do you play in a given week in cash games 99 times out of 100 my answer is going to be one i think i got the question this week because i tweeted out that i played two cash lineups this week that was because i could not decide between zeke and melvin gordon uh, with about 15 minutes to lock, I loaded up all my cash games and created a second team with Melvin Gordon in place of Zeke because I did have the extra $600 left over on DraftKings and basically split my cash allotment down the middle uh, with two teams, identical, minus Zeke and Gordon being different on each team. It, it worked out. Uh, one team scored 225, one team scored 228. So it really didn't make a difference. Uh, I did lose a head, one head-to-head <laughs> that would have won if I played the Zeke team in place of the Gordon team. So really there wasn't much of a difference at all. But basically that comes down to um, not having the cojones to have all my cash game allotment ride on one team. And it's also because I play a lot more 50-50s and double-ups than I do head-to-heads. And I know that goes against a lot of the industry advice. But, and I suggest you do this too, If you, I load my CSV contest history into the DraftKings analyzer on rotogrinders.com. I see that I have a very much higher win rate and a much higher ROI in 50-50s and double-ups. Whatever that reason is, uh, I've tried to find out what that reason is, but I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if the dollar allotment I play in head-to-heads, there are sharper people scooping my games. I don't know if I can't create a cash game team that has upside, so therefore I'm not winning a majority of my head-to-heads. And the teams that I'm creating are slightly above average, therefore they're cashing in double-ups and 50-50s. But uh, So this season and last season, I've been rolling with the strategy of playing more 50-50s and double-ups based on the fact that I'm just good at creating a, a lineup that does better than 40 or 55% of the field. And that's all there is to it. I'm not asking questions because it's being profitable for me uh, to this point. And 
Uh, I do evaluate it each week, take a look at my CSV, etc., and it's still holding true. I still play head-to-heads, but uh, majority of my cash game bankroll allotment is in 50-50s and double-ups. I would suggest that you do the same. Load your CSV. You could download it right on DraftKings and FanDuel. Load it into the Roto Grinders DFS Analyzer and check out where you are best. Uh, it could be GPPs, could be head-to-heads. Um, you may find out that you need to be a more of a GPP player, and that's fine. Uh, you could find out that you've been playing wrong this whole time. It breaks it down into dollar amounts. It'll show you what dollar amounts your win, your best win rate is, uh, contest size, etc. Second question I got was, within cash games, what is the best game selection? And I think this one has been be- beaten uh, like a dead horse for the most part by a lot of industry experts. And it's single entry and it's large field, right? Because you get a truer cash line. You don't have a lot of sharp players loading uh, multiple mass, multiple entries into a double up and pushing the cash line up, right? So if 20 sharps are in a, in a multi-entry double up and they all have 50 lineups in, well, that's a thousand sharp lineups that you're going up against as opposed to if it's a single entry double up, they can only have one lineup in there. So that's why I like single entry. Um, by the same token, if the sharp players are not correct and they have 50 bad lineups in these double ups, then it could push the cash line down. Uh, but more often than not, it's not going to do that. They are going to um, have decent lineups that push the cash line uh, a little bit higher than you'd see in a single entry contest. Uh, The third question that I got a few times was, what is the softest fields within cash contests? Meaning, which one has the most novices? Um, I would say that that kind of relates to um, the best cash game contests to play, which I said are single entry, large field double ups. Now, there isn't a ton of these, right? There's like two or three at every buy-in level. Uh, and then that's it. So you might get a one or two, two dollar, one or two, five dollar, one or two, ten dollar, and that's usually not enough action. So what then you you could do then is drop down to there's um, two and three dollar, fifty fifty double ups that have like three hundred people in them, like two sixty or two thirty nine. They have these weird numbers because that's how they rake you. Um, 120. And while those aren't large field, they're still single entry. And a lot of the Sharks can't play in them because they've been outlawed any contest $4 and under. So if I'm ranking them in order, I'd say uh, large field, single entry double ups, then head to heads, and then those smaller contests that are still single entry, but only have like two, three hundred uh, players in them, and then under the denomination of five dollars, so there aren't the top players on the site in those contests. That'll be it for our strategy piece. Uh, if you stick to those single entry, large field contests, uh, play smart in head to head, post your head to heads. Uh, And then it's probably smart also to cancel your head-to-heads right before 1 o'clock that haven't been mapped or that haven't been scooped because then you would get auto-matched with whomever has head-to-heads posted and that might not go well.
if you have any other questions, I'd be happy to, uh, you know, just chat on Twitter at PatJamesDFS. Good luck in week five.